your pulse. So hello and welcome to the first episode of the Digital Doctor podcast. The aim of this podcast is to help clinicians both in the UK where we're based and also worldwide to harness technology to become better doctors. My name is Ed Wallet, and today I'm joined by uh, the other hosts of this podcast, uh, Wei Kong Wong and Stephen Wing. So we're just going to go around and um, introduce yourself. Should we start with you, Stephen? Yeah. Um, hello. Uh, very pleased to be here. So my name is Stephen Wing and I am currently a neurology registrar uh, on an academic training fellowship, uh, just starting my research into Parkinson's disease, dementia and dementia with bodies. Um, and um, I'm very interested in digital health, worked with Ed before on Podmedics and uh, this is a sort of next phase of my digital endeavours. Great. And uh, Wei Kong? Uh, hi, I'm really excited to uh, be part of this trio, if you like. I'm a hematology registrar based in London. I'm always surprised how when I walk through the hospital doors where I work, I feel like I'm transported back to the 19th century where we're still using stethoscopes and paper. And it's just not good enough. And um, I want to do something about this. And I think what we are doing with this podcast um, is the first step. Great. Um my name is Ed Wallet. I um, used to be a doctor. Um, I was a GP trainee till about eight months ago. Um, and I uh, left um, medicine out of frustrations with the IT infrastructure and, and perhaps slightly grandiose ideas that I could make things a little bit better. So I went off to set up my own um, medical IT consultancy, which is called PodMedics, and which I've been um, running on and off for the last four years, but full time since I left about eight months ago. So that's me. So, right, guys, let's move on, I think, to talk some of, you know, I think we've mentioned it a little bit already, but maybe talk a little bit about why this podcast um, and why um, the conference, which is something which we're going to go on to talk about a little bit later, which is associated with um, this podcast. Wait, Kong, why don't you uh, tell us why you're interested in this kind of stuff? Well, I guess for me, I've now been a doctor for seven, eight years. And I've also been a keen use of technology in my personal life. But I've never quite understood why, when I actually go to work, I have to dispense for all the tools that help me in my personal life when I spend most of my um, time awake actually at work. And, you know, and so I, start look, I wanted to look around to see whether others are having exactly the same experience and meeting you guys um, and other clinicians have made it clear that this is a common um, problem. So really, just like Ed, out of frustration, I wanted to learn more and I basically couldn't find a podcast to educate me and to help me meet other people facing the same problem. So I thought, why not meet a few people and do some and do this, basically? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I've been um, heavily influenced by a podcast um, called The Mac Power Users by Katie Floyd and David Sparks. Um, who sort of have taken this 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 approach of you know they're both lawyers they're both professionals but they both believe that technology can be used to help them be better in their everyday lives but also in their work lives um, and you know they've in a number of their episodes they do talk about this this problem in law being quite antiquated um, but I think in medicine we're even worse um, and we, we, we tend not to want to adopt new technologies. And this has a far-reaching effect because it means that 
if if the medical profession isn't encouraging uh, junior clinicians and indeed more senior clinicians to use technology well, then things are going to advance a lot more a lot more slowly. Um, so I sort of see this sort of podcast as an opportunity to, you know, as all of us are, are fairly avid tech users, some of us are developers and, and write software, um, but this is a great opportunity for us to share some of the tools that we really like, some of the ideas that we, we have about how, you know, you can be a better doctor using the things that are out there that are available that you might not come across otherwise. Ed, yeah. um, just to bring you on that point about not using technology, one thing I never quite understood is that, you know, hospitals buy expensive robots that do surgery. We do, you know, artificial hearts and use like the best cutting edge medications. However, the simple things that we use every day, people choose to ignore. I've always found that very interesting. Well, it's about what's sexy, isn't it? I mean, I think you both just encapsulated what, what I was going to say. There's not really much left for me to say, although like you, I'm kind of frustrated. I mean, I use fantastic tools at home and even some of the exciting stuff that Google and Facebook are doing with data. I mean, it's amazing. And then we go into work and we're still writing in paper notes. And it's incredibly frustrating that we can't get all of the data and analytics out that we should be able to. Um, but I suppose coupled with that, I, I'm quite excited about it the future developments as well and and inspired you know you hear lots of things about you know new devices and uh, you know big data and open science and different metrics and i i think it's great but um some of the not sexy stuff is interesting too like you were saying just now way kong i mean we spend all of this money and uh things on big innovations like robots but i think all too often the focus of attention is on those kind of exciting things when actually really what, what's going to improve medicine is, is the really nitty gritty stuff, you know, information architecture and, and having the notes in an electronic searchable format and getting data in and out easily. I think those things are going to really change medicine over the next few years. And I think one of the things that's so exciting about this and something that I think should be another goal of, of this podcast and indeed the conference is trying to break down this artificially high wall that exists between us as doctors and them as the developers, us as the people with the problem and them as the people who are going to provide the solution. I mean, I, on a personal level, got so frustrated with having to cross that communication divide that I eventually learned to, to program myself. And admittedly, I'm probably still be regarded as an amateur, but I'm, I, through that process, I realized how much better things can be if we just try and push ourselves a little bit further to try and understand IT a little bit more. So I, I hope that that's something we can also get in um, to these podcasts as well. What surprises me as well, when you do start doing some of this stuff yourself, you know, making websites and writing software, is how cheap open source solutions can be. And, and contrast that with how much, um, you know, something very simple will cost the NHS. It seems kind of disingenuous, really. Do you not think? Absolutely. Do you, do you think that part of the problem is that um, in the NHS or in, in any kind of healthcare organization around the world, the people making the decisions, as in the senior people, the people with responsibility for funding and strategy, basically do not get technology and do not get IT. So the people around our generation who understand this a bit more, we don't actually get engaged in the process at all. So, um, Ed, what you said about 
breaking down the barriers between, uh, if you like, clinicians and doctors and software developers, I don't think that that barrier is as great as the barrier of kind of the hierarchy in healthcare. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, all, uh, sometimes you get managers who are kind of commissioning these systems and you can appreciate how difficult it must be for them not understanding IT in the way that an IT developer would and not really understanding what's needed from a medical system on a on a clinician level I mean, that must be an, a really impossible task for them to try and come up with a system that's going to improve things and they don't understand how it's going to be made or what it's supposed to do it's a, it's a loop really i mean you're you're in a sort of loop of of, of difficulty there because as, as you say Stephen you know the, the doctor doesn't understand the IT doesn't really understand the management the management the manager may understand a bit IT but is too afraid to piss off the doctors to actually go into their territory and suggest what might be necessary so all of these things when you combine them create an environment where it is very difficult to approach and and, and start creating solutions or practical solutions that are well-designed and well-developed to these actually relatively simple problems, um, some of which we're going to go on to, to talk about in some of the other episodes that exist within, within healthcare. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I've done a lot of reading around when IT fails in, the, in hospitals and in clinical situations. The number one thing that's always highlighted is the lack of any form of engagement of the clinical staff of the frontline staff in the design of any system. And in this country, I think that's slowly being recognized. And to kind of bring the hospitals from, if you like, the 19th century to the 21st century, a lot of um, hospitals are now um, paying and resourcing clinicians for responsibility for IT and informatics. I think they have now recognized that this is a problem. And in, in some ways, it's actually a very, very exciting time to be in this space at the moment. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to completely, during our time, and that's what's so exciting, during our time, things are going to be unrecognisable um, 10 years from now um, to the way we work today. And um, and we can sort of see what we're doing online compared to a few years ago, and it's it's really, truly amazing. And just the ability, you know, what can be done now, as I think both of you have mentioned, with software frameworks and things that are, simply, you know, easy to download, you know, people can set up blogs in, in, in a matter of minutes, you know, you can grasp a simple programming language and, and build something which might solve one of these problems for yourself very quickly, you can take an application um, that, that you, you love, but wasn't necessarily designed for use in medicine and adapt it. And there are so many different approaches that can be taken simply because at, at this time in IT generally, there, there are so many people involved in it. There are so many people innovating, and the the barrier to entry has never really been 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 lower. So I think it's 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 an incredibly exciting time to be having ideas and to be trying to learn how to put those into place and and really make a difference in this in this healthcare space. And building on that, I think I would really love it if, if through this podcast, I, I mean, I keep in touch with some of the things that were going on, learn some things, meet new people. But what what I think would be really valuable is if, you know, we could build a community around this kind of stuff. So a community around building things, advising on IT, how to get things done. I think that would be really impressive uh, to try and achieve. And I think I'd find that really satisfying. So 
I hope we can try and inspire people to take the initiative. Should we, should we try and put move on to the next section now and try and put some of those things into a more concrete fashion and just discuss actually, you know, what can people expect? Um, we've talked about sort of why this podcast, some of the problems, some of the exciting developments, but what can people really expect to hear from this um, from this from this podcast? Wei Kong, do you have any ideas about that? Yeah, I think one thing that is quite um, ignored, if you like, in the health IT press um, in this country and in the world is kind of the basic problems that we face day to day, especially junior members staff. Things such as how to keep on top of our tasks at work, how to coordinate the team, how to ensure that information flows um, between shifts. Uh, I think th- things like that are not spoken about anywhere, and the problem itself is not very defined. And I'll be quite excited to talk about these things because it solves real, real problems that have immediate benefits to people uh, almost straight away. I think that's that's a really good point because we, I mean, we've seen so often in industries where things go wrong, more often than not, it's human error. And that tends to be communication problems. Um, and communicating face-to-face or writing things down on paper is very different to trying to do it on an online uh, or maybe through a computer system. And the Royal College of Physicians and, and, and other organisations have been really fundamental in, in sort of highlighting those problems, like in, in the junior doctor handover, those kinds of things. So um, I'd love to discuss novel solutions for, for those kinds of everyday things that doctors get up to that I think really can make a difference. So we're thinking about problems such as handover, essentially. We're looking at problems such as the patient lists that doctors carry around um, in their in their in their pockets, we're looking at you know basic electronic health records. We're looking at blood systems, X-ray systems, what works, what doesn't, that kind of thing. I think that's one of the sort of core sort of features or, te- or topics that we're going to be looking at. And don't don't forget my absolute pet hate, which is the pager or the bleeping system, which I just think in this day and age does not really have a big place to play anymore. It's symbolic, Kong. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> symbolic. I think we're also aiming to do some interviews as well, um, perhaps with some people who are prominent in this, in this space and would have some interesting ideas. I think this podcast could be a good platform for those people to um, explain those ideas and for us to perhaps ask them um, challenging questions about those, um, those thoughts that they have. Um, I think also we were looking as well to sort of do episodes where we look at our our favourites, you know, look at particular organisations, particular uh, hospitals that are doing well in this area, particular websites even or web applications um, that we could we could feature. What about your hot topic? Have you got something that really it's your bugbear that you just really want to do a whole show on? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm I'm very passionate about um, the very practical stuff, like like patient lists, um, mm-hmm. like uh, productivity, task management, kind of stuff mm-hmm. for for doctors. Um, because actually, that's something um, that task management, I mean, and the way that doctors manage their their patients and the jobs that need to be done for their patients is something that actually there's a lot of information about already. Um, and a lot of schools of thought and, 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 and ideas about best practices for that. Um, and I think a lot of people with very limited instruction um, could actually make a huge difference to their working lives 
um, no. simply by framing things in a different way psychologically and approaching things in a more structured fashion. So I'm hoping we get the opportunity to talk about things like David Allen's getting things done and how that might apply to to looking after patients and things like that and hopefully point out a few good tools along the way which can be used to help with that as well. So that's probably my, that would be my top, my top thing. Yeah. What about you? Because I've heard you talk very passionately about how to get people engaged once you do have an idea, how to, how to go and take that forward and get things done. Is that your, the thing you want to talk about most or do you have something else? Well, first thing to say, I completely second um, Ed's suggestion about the patient list problem. It's a problem that faces us from the first day we become doctors to the day we retire. And I think this is um, a much ignored subject, and I would second that. Um, the other things that the pager, I, can, I just cannot stand it. It's, it's one of those things, uh, those communication tools, which we definitely need an economical, workable solution which can be rolled out, um, you know, in hospitals easily. Um, just so we both, the, uh, we sorry, both hate the bleeps, don't we? Um, and and yeah, it's it's the medical registrar that that ends up getting the most bleeps in the hospital. Um, and you know, I, I've not done very much of that. I don't know if you have, but we probably get bleeps a lot less than a medical registrar. And, e- and even we hate the bleeps. Oh. Uh, Absolutely. I'm a hematology registrar, so we get a lot of uh, referral bleeds for advice about blood tests and also bleeds from the GPs and bleeds from our fellow colleagues. And it's a constant source of um, frustration. And I think you, I, I, it shortens my life every single time that bleed goes off. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a picture lying around in my um, iPhoto library of, of me carrying six bleeps when I was oh. doing orthopedics. <laughs> That's great. Is it one for each bone or? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the bones that I knew when I was doing orthopedics could be probably summed up as about six. I'm really interested in information, actually. And it sounds like a really boring, um, nerdy subject to be interested in. But I I just think that once information is put in place in a standard, searchable, usable fashion, I just think from that, great things can only happen. Um, And for many different areas of medicine, like quality improvement or its research, and people go on about all the time, personalized medicine. And for me, when I hear that phrase, I always think of genomics and, and making sure that, you know, your your chemotherapy is treating the right, uh, you know, the right genes in a particular cancer. But really, personalized medicine could be as simple as just knowing how often someone is in atrial fibrillation by monitoring their heart rate 24-7, which isn't that difficult to do these days. Um, and we could give, you know, anticoagulants based on that. So I'm really interested in what you know, lots and lots of data and analysing all that data can really do for us. Fantastic. I think I'm actually also quite interested in how to encourage our colleagues to kind of see what we see as really obvious things. Because I feel that one of the biggest barriers in getting things that what patients expect to happen in hospitals, which is the doctors know as much about them as possible, to make the most informed decisions with them doesn't take place. And um, how to get our colleagues to realize that and to use technology to enable that to happen. Yeah. So what about um, a little bit of housekeeping, Ed? Yeah, let's, so let's talk about, um, firstly, the, this podcast. So the podcast is going to be, fingers crossed, available on iTunes once it gets through the... Uh, 
Apple HQ in uh, Cupertino, although that's probably not where they check them, but, um, but we need to get through that. But it's going to be available on our website, which is um, www.thedigitaldoc.co.uk. Uh, and there's a link in the top right that uh, will point you towards podcasts and you'll be able to listen to podcasts uh, there. In fact, you may even be listening to it there right now. And any particular content that we mention in the podcast, any interesting applications, any interesting organizations, any interesting blog posts or anything like that, we will post links um, underneath. So you won't hear us doing a lot of that during um, the actual um, podcast itself. So there's also an opportunity for me to do a shameless plug of our conference, um, which is on uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, the 1st and 2nd of December of this year in Covent Garden in London. Um, It's called the Digital Doctor Conference. It's been very generously supported by um, BCS Health, the British Computer Science Health Branch. Have I said that right, Wei Kong? Uh, I think it's now called BCS, the Charter Institute for IT. Okay, the BCS Chartered Institute of IT have very generously uh, offered us their uh, sort of conference venue in in Covent Garden, and we're extremely grateful for that. Um, As I mentioned, the the day is split up over two days. So on on Saturday, we're really looking at teaching people, whether those people are doctors, uh, medical students, or any other allied health professionals, to use the sort of technology and tools that are available to make everyday tasks that they do, such as email, audits, tasks, management, keeping up with the literature, working groups, research, that kind of thing, much more efficient and fun. And on Sunday, we're going to be doing a real sort of deep dive into app creation and trying to break down some of those barriers around software development that we spoke about earlier. We're going to talk about how to do it. We're going to talk about what is involved and very importantly, how you can convince others to help you do it. And Wei Kong is going to be doing Um, discussing his favorite topic, which is why NHS IT doesn't work and, um, or does work, but sometimes doesn't work and how to actually get these, these, these ideas moving forward to actually be implemented within organizations. So that is the, um, the conference. You can, um, book it on our website. Um, I think it's worth saying perhaps that this is, uh, this conference is not, being run to personally line our pockets is that reasonable to say guys i think it's uh it's it's a non-profit thing the the ticket prices are deliberately fairly low um simply to cover the costs and to provide people with food and sustenance um and maybe some drinks at the end of the day um but we really want to with this podcast as well have a a very open discussion about things and not have things clouded with too many uh corporate slogans or other sorts of advertising and things like that yeah and i'm sort of hoping to meet some like-minded people as well and and going back to what i said about building a community of people who are interested i think that's one of the things we spoke about um you know going to be an advantage of doing something like this i think it's also worth saying that uh in the uk we have one of the probably one of the best digitized uh, primary care or gp uh, electronic patient record systems in the world, and it all started with groups of clinicians getting together uh, to solve a problem. So it'd be fantastic to apply something similar to the hospital sector as well. Yeah, definitely. So that's the basic housekeeping. Um, I think we should just finish by discussing maybe what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. Wei Kong. Yeah, let's. I, I'm I'm very interested in the patient list problem, so I think we should 
break that down a little bit more and try to really understand what is the problem and how we can approach to solve it. Absolutely. Do we need a list? <laughs> Good question. All Tune will be... in next time for the answer to that question. Yeah, all will be revealed. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this uh, first episode. We're running exactly nearly on 25 minutes, which is where we wanted to be. Um, so thank you from, um, from me. And from me. Thank you. And uh, from me. And we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye. Check for pulse.